Before you sit, would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. We pray that you would remove distractions from us, that you would open our ears and our hearts to hear your word and to receive freely that living bread which you offer through Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Please take a seat. You saw in the bulletin that uh, the sermon title was Scandalous Bread. Sounds funny to think of bread as being scandalous, but I want you to take a walk with me in your imagination for just a second, whether that is down an old alley somewhere or whether that is into grandma's kitchen or if you've had a chance to go to Europe possibly walking down some old ancient road and you catch a smell, a smell of fresh bread. Because fresh bread is beautiful. I love fresh bread. When you're making it and you get the flour and the water and the yeast together and you start kneading it and everything starts working together and you see that dough sitting there and starting to rise and come to life and the smells that come from that are like no other. You patiently wait as that loaf rises for a second time and you slide it into the oven on a hot stone and you can hear it sizzle just a little bit as it lands on that stone and you wait and again smell beautiful watch it for a little while and you pull that loaf out you start to see the crust change to about three shades of brown and you know it's just about ready and you pull it out and you can hear the crust crackle as it cools on the counter for a little bit bump it a little bit it sounds a little hollow Fresh bread is good, really good. I can only imagine what that bread tasted like that Jesus gave the disciples and gave all the 5,000 on that hill before the speech we've been hearing these last three weeks. Not just fresh bread from hands or from an oven, but fresh bread from the Creator. That would have been some amazing bread. There's a restaurant I worked in. There's a guy there that made bread. It was, in my mind, it was scandalous. It wasn't scandalous bread because it was bad. It was scandalous bread because I couldn't make it. You see, I would try as hard as I possibly could to replicate his recipe. I'd watch him as he made it. The guy's name is Abel. And Abel looked like an older Carlos Santana, okay? He had long hair that came down, always wore a fedora. He had his chef coat tucked into his jeans, and he'd come out, and I never knew if he was speaking English, Italian, or Spanish. Wasn't exactly certain. But man, could the man make bread. We would make focaccia bread. And focaccia bread is a low-rise, really oily bread. It's delicious. But the way he made his, the texture was just right. The Chew was just right. It was absolutely amazing bread. And as I would try, I had the recipe written down. I'd stand next to him and watch his timing, try to understand what he was saying, and then try to replicate it. And it came out good, but it wasn't able bread. It wasn't able bread by any means. And it scandalized me. It offended me slightly because I couldn't do it had nothing to do with his bread. His bread was true. His bread was good. His bread was right. But the stuff I tried to make always fell short. We hear Jesus' words today as he's talking. And 
This is the third part of his sermon that he is giving to these Jews in a synagogue during the time of Passover. During the time of Passover, there's a lot of focus on sacrifice. There's a lot of focus on bread. There's a lot of focus on what God does for his people. And here stands Jesus in the midst of this crowd, and he says, you want to eat? I'm the living bread. And the bread I'm going to give is my flesh. And you're going to have to eat that flesh and drink that blood if you want any part in me. All right, I've made a lot of bread. Not one recipe has flesh and blood in it. Not one. So I can imagine right along with the Jews standing there in the synagogue and saying, this is too much. This is way too much, Jesus. You're asking us to eat some part of a human... No, not happening. I can't fathom that. That's beyond what God would call his people to do. There's no way we can take part in that. He says, if you want life, though, in the same way that I live because the Father puts life in me, you'll live because you'll have life in me from the Father. Say, it's too much to take. It scandalizes them. It offends them. It's not offensive because his words are wrong. Jesus' words are true and right and good. It scandalizes them because it shows their falseness. It shows their lack of belief. It shows the fact that they can't do it on their own. No matter how hard they try, no matter how hard they try to replicate what's going on, no matter how hard they try to work to get the job done, they're going to fall short. So a question for you. Where do you go for sustenance? And I know sitting in a pew on Sunday morning, you're going to say, I go to Jesus every time. Yeah. But even as believers, even as children of God, I think there's times that we still look the other way. We may say, God, I know you're calling me over in this direction, but this direction looks really good. I've made some bread over here, God, and it's, it's good stuff. You should try it. We try and make things for ourselves. We try and take things into our own hands. We try and look for something besides God and how to make daily life happen. Because we know the recipe. We know how to control this over here. We know how to make things work over here. We, we, we got it pretty much under control. It may not be as good, but it's pretty good. Think back to the first commandment for a second, right? You should have no other gods before me. You ever notice that's the shortest commandment? It's like he wanted us to really remember it. And then you go to your catechism, right? We should fear, love, and trust God above all things. You ever notice that's Luther's shortest explanation too? <laughs> should fear, love, and trust God above all things, everything. Not a single thing should come before God. So when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, my flesh, my blood, live in me and you will live. And we say, that's too hard to hear. We're going to go live over here. We're putting something else before God. There's times when we say, yeah, that job looks all right. It seems like it might sort of take care of us. Jesus, I know it's going to give me a little bit more free time, but if I work a little harder, I can earn a little more and then I can give more. 
God. I don't know if you've ever seen the differences between those two, but it seems sometimes when I'm paid a little bit less and have a little bit more time, life is so much more fulfilling and rich. Because God pulls the people together around you for the things that you need. It's a beautiful thing when family comes together like that. And we look and we rely solely upon the life that Jesus gives. Beautiful life. So what do we do with these words, though? I mean, we hear these words of Jesus, and they sound extremely hard to understand. And he starts moving through, and he said, these words are spirit and life. For those of you that have looked through hymnals in the past, there's a beginning portion in most of the services. And it may sound familiar to some of you, to some of you maybe not, but there's a part where he says, let us read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest. God's word. I'm sure you've heard the phrase chew on something. Chew on God's word. Meditate upon God's word. Live in God's word. Why? Because Christ promises to be there. And it's not us doing the action of reading in the word that gets us Christ. It's that Christ makes us his and stands in the word and says, I promise to be right here and bring you life. And I will be in the midst of that word. I will be in the midst of that sacrament. I will be in the midst of your life. Believe that I'm there. Because he's there before we believe. He stood in the synagogue. Talking to the Jews during Passover. Standing in their presence, his flesh and blood in their presence, God the creator of the universe standing before them and speaking. He said, I'm, I'm here. The God you've been following, that your fathers follow, I'm, I'm right here. This is the bread, right here. This is the life, right here. Standing before you. They said, too much. Those disciples that turned away, we need also to remember in John, he makes a delineation between the disciples, the many followers, and the twelve. The twelve are always the twelve in John's gospel. The disciples are some of the crowds that believed in Jesus, whether they thought he was going to be the Messiah who lifted up Israel as a nation, or whether they thought he was sent from God. But nonetheless, they come and they hear this word and it's recorded for us, right? This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And they leave. They walk away. Jesus pushed it to the limit, and they found their limit, and they said, that's it. You're not who we thought you were, Jesus. We're going to walk away from this. And I love Jesus' question to the 12. You want to go away too? And what do they say? Peter, our spokesman, right? And I'm not fully confident that he was convinced, like, you know, well, you have the words of eternal life, Lord. We have come to believe, and we know you're the Holy One of God. I think it's more like, well, where would, where would we go? We, I guess we come to know that you have the words of eternal life? Come to know you're the Holy One. 
But whether in confusion or confidence, Peter still nails it. I think that's where we walk sometimes. We don't understand everything. We don't know how it's going to work, but we can come here and hear God's word. We can sit before one another as Christian brothers and sisters in this family of God and hear God speak. We may not always get it, but we can believe it. We can believe it because it's what God has promised, and God doesn't break promises. God is going to give life where he gives life, and he calls those whom he loves to himself and wants all to be with him. In the same way the Jews had Jesus standing there before him, we now have him where he promises to be, in his word, in his sacrament. He says, I'll be there. I'll be there when you're gathered together in my name. I will be there because I promise to be there. And in that, I will bring you life and forgiveness of your sins. And it's a life that doesn't just live now, but it's that life that fills us now and into eternity. A meal where we get to sit down at a table. Where you get to sit down and we get to hear from Jesus, not only maybe an amazing bread recipe, because he's going to provide all of that, maybe a recipe of how he made trees. That would be kind of cool to hear. But to live life in a community around a table, loved by God in the presence of Christ, and where we see little glimpses of it now because he promises to be here, Get a whole life of that because he promises to give life. Because all of those who are in him, marked with his name, called by his love, have life because the Father's given it to Christ and Christ hands it over to us. In his name we pray. Amen. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, you give life and you give life abundantly. Pray that you would open our eyes to see where that life is as we come here to hear your word, as we go forth to get together to learn your word, and as we care for one another, Father, be with us where we go. You've promised to be in the lives of your Christian children and calling all those to you. Thank you for revealing your love and your promise in Christ. Thank you for doing it for us. Thank you for rising once again and that your son rose to hand over life to us that we may live with you forever. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.